Hi everyone, welcome to the second episode uh, of our Penn State Early Signing Period 2020 extravaganza. Uh, If you're listening to this one right now, you are going, and you haven't listened to the offense yet, you are going out of order. Save this one uh, for a little bit later. Go listen to the offensive one first. That one, like this one, featured me, Bill DeFilippo, with my co-host Nick Pollock. Nick, has anything changed in the five minutes since we recorded the last podcast? I'm slightly hungrier than I was before. Okay, my dog is actually less hungry uh, because I am currently giving him his uh, his second uh, Kong stuffed with kibble. Uh, neither here nor there. Let's talk defense. Penn State's recruiting class, as we've mentioned, uh, the number 21 class in the nation, number five in the Big Ten. And Nick, while I look at this defensive class, uh, while it doesn't have, you know, the kind of game-breaking prospect that I think that we wish Penn State's defense would be able to bring in. It lacks the Curtis Jacobs. Uh, It lacks the Brandon Smith. It lacks the Adisa Isaac, even. This is a really, really interesting group because I think something that we mentioned on the last podcast, I don't think there's a very low floor for any of these dudes, even if, you know, the ceiling might not necessarily be as high as some of the five stars that Penn state has brought in recent years. Yep. I totally agree. And it's, it's, this is the kind of thing that's typically bound to happen when you're, I mean, typically the high three-star kids really are the ones that have relatively high floors. Uh, But you have talent at all levels of this defense. The secondary has some guys that, could be pretty special players uh, are really great athletes at the very least. Uh, They could become more and more as better and better as they continue on in their careers. They'll get a nice little infusion of talent at the linebacker spot. And then at defensive end, uh, I really like the defensive end that they brought in and they still have potential to do some more things on the defensive line as well. Yes. uh, The disclaimer that we added uh, at the beginning of the last podcast, which again, you are going out of order if this is the first one you're listening to. Go listen to that one first. Uh, Penn State might not be done uh, with all of its uh, business recruiting. Obviously, there's a window between now and National Signing Day, which is in February. But as of right now, Penn State's defensive recruiting class, one defensive lineman, two linebackers, uh, potentially three, depending on... Uh, what happens with a member of uh, the offensive class we've already talked about, and four uh, additions to the defensive backfield. Nick, let's start up front uh, with a guy you just alluded to, a guy that you seem to like a lot uh, along Penn State's defensive line. Uh, six foot five, 255-pound defensive end Rodney McGraw out of Indiana, the number 445 player nationally uh nick i don't think he's a bad player by any stretch of the imagination but i think he's someone who to me seems like a reliable uh you know i don't want to say an antonio shelton type but someone who you're going to give him snaps he's not going to lose you anything uh just be a really nice football player it seems like you're a bit higher than me on him what is it about rodney mcgraw that has you so optimistic well, first things first, he comes from the most Indiana Indiana sounding high school ever, Elkhart Central. It's just it's just perfect. Um but I thought we were gonna harmonize. Continue. No, no, no. Uh so the thing that I like about McGraw is that, like you said, six five, two fifty five, he already has collegiate level size. 
And when you watch his highlight tape, I think what, first of all, I think he's going to be somebody where it takes a bit of time because when you watch him on highlight film, as you can expect, Indiana doesn't have a whole lot of offensive tackles that can deal with a kid who's 6'5", 255. So a lot of what he does on that side of the ball and did on that side of the ball in high school is just using his arms and just just running by people. Just it, There's just little, very little competition against him, which is why he put up such absurd high school numbers. I'm going to bring them up real quickly because they're hilarious. He had, in two seasons... He had 39 and a half tackles for loss, 13 sacks and seven forced fumbles. That was in 2018 and 2019. Those are just silly numbers. But the thing that I like about him, I actually, I don't see him as much of a, as, as much of a pass rush rush specialist long-term. But the thing that I like about him is I think he profiles really well to fill kind of the, the Ryan Buckholes mold almost. I think once he learns how to, get a bit more leverage with his size and learns how to explode into linemen with a bit lower of a center of gravity. Cause if, I mean, until he does that, he's just going to get constantly pushed back no matter how big he is. Uh, but he's somebody I could see doing a really great job of setting the edge for the defense. And I don't, I think maybe, maybe a couple sacks a year if he ever becomes a full-time starter, but I think he's going to be someone who just does a really nice job of occupying guys on the edge and just overall helping to control the run game from his side, just thanks to his just massive size. You sold me. This kid's going to be really good. Uh, let's take a step back in the defense, a physical step back, because now let's talk about uh, Penn State's linebackers in this class. A uh, couple of dudes, pair of players. One is a three-star Michigan linebacker. Jamari Budden, the number 373 player in the nation, uh, 6'2", 215, projects as an outside linebacker. And then an inside linebacker, Kobe King, uh, the number 438 player in the nation, another three-star, 6'1", or so, 223 pounds. Nick, when I look at these two, and King, and I don't mean this as a knock, I don't know if he's ever going to be, um, you know, quick, speedy, aggressive, anything like that. But he's a dude who's always, wherever there is going to be a football, there is going to be Kobe King tackling someone. I believe on the site, uh, we compared him to a Jason Cabinda type, and I love that comparison for him. Uh, And then with Budden, his tape is fun, man, because that dude is a missile. He's someone who finds a way to be everywhere on the field who is really good at seeing what's happening and attacking and responding kind of linebacker. I really like, I think you'll probably agree with me that I don't think either of these dudes exactly have superstar potential, but I think both of them can very easily end up playing for Penn state. Yeah. They're both very different prospects. As you mentioned, Button is the guy that we've become accustomed to seeing Penn state grab at least one of in each class the last few years. He's just that, I mean, the ball, the term ball of clay is pretty uh, appropriate here. He, he just has, he has a ton of speed. He hits with reckless abandon at the outside linebacker spot. He just needs a little bit. He needs a bit more polish. He just needs to learn a bit more about the kind of the ins and outs of the position, just refine his technique a little bit, but he's somebody that should be able to do that because he'll have plenty of guys who have come before him that have also needed to do that. He's, 
he'll ha- he'll have a great example as ahead of him and watching Brandon Smith and Lance Dixon and Curtis Jacobs and all those guys play football. He he fits really well with that line, and it's very clear that Penn State has a type when it comes to recruiting outside linebackers. Kobe King, on the other hand, some I he reminds me a lot actually of uh, Blake Martinez of the New York Giants. Okay, he's he's not like you said he's not the flashiest guy, um, but he is somebody I think he's a bit underrated by the sites in my opinion. It's uh, from what I understand, he played a lot of his junior season injured for Cast Tech and finally healthy his senior year. He he was all over the ball. He was everywhere. He was, art. I mean, it's kind of hard to compete with his twin brother, who we'll talk about in a minute. But he was arguably the best player on his team defensively, and he was just an absolute standout. He's not going to blow anybody away with his speed, um, but he's somebody who can just, like you said, he's just gonna be there. Similar to Blake Martinez, similar to Jason Cabinda. He's just always going to be around the football. And as long as he can be a sure tackler, that's the rest. That's a recipe for success, especially with the way Penn State deploys their linebackers. They really want their outside guys to be able to be free-flowing and just move in space. But they can only do that if they have the guy at Mike linebacker who can be counted on to clean things up. And that's one of the reasons why they struggled a bit in 2020, because Ellis Brooks and Jason Cabinda they weren't as short they weren't as short tacklers as you would have liked them to be. So King absolutely has a chance to make a big impact on this defense. Yeah. And I think anytime you're dealing with college linebacker uh, and they're coming, you know, he's listed at six foot and a half, 223 pounds. Uh, it's very easy to be spooked by that, but then you actually look at him and physically he looks the part. He looks like someone who, uh, has uh, he, he looks like someone who is physically he carries his weight yes, extremely well. Yes, I mean it's easy to be that size uh, and just be what you know be not have the most be the most laterally quick. Uh, just look out of place. You know, I think whenever anyone looks talks about an undersized middle linebacker. Uh, a guy like former Miami Dolphins linebacker Zach Thomas comes to mind, and he was 5'11", 184. So not exactly the bulkiest dude uh, at that size. And when you hear that size on King, maybe ooh, that's concerning. No, nah, he, he looks the part, and he hits the part. That's the thing that makes me so excited about watching him. Like I don't think – I think he's someone who's going to be coming off the field on passing downs, but on rushing downs – I think he's a guy you want eating up blocks, who you want being in whatever is going on, and just making life hell on anyone who has a football near him. Then Button, like we mentioned, you put that dude in a rocket and you shoot him at someone, and he's going to fly at them. Like he's someone who he has the aggressiveness. He has the no big play uh, desire that I want out of my linebackers. Uh, I want to see him bulk up a bit. 6'2", 215. Um, just do the stuff where you add a little bit to your frame. You get a little smarter between the ears. Those sorts of things that you just need to do as a young linebacker. And I think that guy has the chance to be so much fun. Like, to the point that, again, three star, 373. 
you look at the guys ahead of him in Penn State's linebacker room, Brandon Smith, Lance Dixon, Curtis Jacobs, Zariah Fisher, I think he has the potential with his ability to make plays to get on the field in some form or fashion. Uh, Nick, I regret... Nick, you still there? Folks, Magical Live Radio, how you doing? Nick, can you hear me? Wait, can you not hear me? No, you uh, you you uh, had a bad connection there for about a minute, so I didn't get anything you said. Oh. And also, I'm not cutting any of this. Well, I didn't say anything, so that's fine. Okay, well, you're here now, Nick. How? You, Nick, what's going on? How is it uh, being lost in the shadow dimension or whatever the hell just happened? Uh, it was fine, I guess. I I didn't <laughs> didn't even realize I was there, but we survived, so we're good. There you go. Hell yeah, go state. Uh. Wrapping up uh, the defensive side of this Penn State class, you get probably the most interesting uh, group of players that Penn State grabbed. Uh, Kalen King, a four-star cornerback of Kobe's brother from Cass Tech, for, uh, number 233 player in the nation, number 16 corner, 5'11", 170. Jalen Reed from Martin Luther King High School in Detroit, Michigan. Uh, four-star, number 271 nationally, number 17 safety, 6'190". pounds. Uh, Zaki Wheatley from uh, Archbishop Spaulding in Maryland. Four-star, 323 nationally, number 22 safety, 6'2", 180. And then Jeffrey Davis Jr., uh, 5'21 nationally, a three-star recruit, number 40 cornerback, 6'1", 170. Nick, I look at this class. I don't think Penn State's defensive backfield necessarily needs major reinforcements. Safety, yes. Uh, Cornerback, not really. But they brought in, it's very much a class of guys where it's a ton of bites at the apple, and I think that at least one or two of them have what it takes to contribute, It probably not right away, but certainly uh, as, the, as time goes on for them in Happy Valley. Yeah, so I think the caveat with discussing whether or not they'll contribute early is that I think safety, especially if Jaquan Brisker does not come back next year, safety is just completely and totally up for grabs. And if guys like Jalen Reed and Wheatley prove that they are able to take those roles head on, then they could very, very truly be, be in those spots next year. I think Reed is probably a better bet than Wheatley. Wheatley is, I think he he's the other guy that's in competition for the best athlete in the class. He's just an absolute freak as well. Um, I think he probably has a little bit more refinement to do, and I, they still need to figure out exactly if he is going to be a safety or where he's going to end up. Um, but yeah, I, I could very easily see Reed playing early on, depending on what happens with that room next year. But for me, the best bet to play early is actually Kalen King. And like you mentioned, the cornerback room is not necessarily in need of a guy who can come in and play right away. You'll still have Joey Porter Jr. next year, a guy who I believe is quickly becoming one of one of the best cornerbacks in the conference. You have Keaton Ellis back. You have Marquise Wilson back. Uh, you could potentially have Donovan Johnson. I, we've typically taken the stance here that despite the free year of eligibility, those fifth-year guys are the ones that are almost sure, almost assuredly not coming back just because it's time to move on. But if you're Donovan Johnson, you miss so much time due to injury and a year of good film could still give you an outside shot at the NFL. So I think he could come back, but this staff is not afraid to play 
talented cornerbacks, regardless of how old they are. And Kalen King, I think, immediately is going to become one of the best, most talented players in that room. He starred for Cass Tech as a wide receiver, as a corner and a return man. He's just a fantastic athlete overall. He has great ball skills. And, you know, we we didn't see the growth that we wanted to from Marquise Wilson this year. Keaton Ellis, we we only even barely saw. He was mysteriously absent for, what, the first three or four weeks. So it's not like either one of those guys did much to really establish themselves as the guy going forward opposite of Porter. So I could very easily see King working his way into that competition. The one that I'm I'm sure is going to be more of a project is Jeffrey Davis Jr., uh, the probably the fastest player in the class out of uh, Connecticut at the Kingswood Oxford School. Very proper. Yeah, the um, Kingswood Oxford School, you say. I'm sure that his commitment had a had a good amount of uh, recruitment done on the side of Marquise Wilson and uh, who else has been from New England recently? Tyler Rudolph. Uh, Tyler Rudolph, yeah. So clearly, I think this is a case of them vouching for Davis Jr. because there's the you know the tape doesn't show much of anything of him as a cornerback. Almost the entire almost the entire entirety of the huddle video is him as a wide receiver. Where you know he looks fine. He looks like he completely overmatches everybody he plays against, and that that'll happen in Connecticut. It's not necessarily a football hotbed. Shout out Christian Wilkins, um, but. He's somebody I think will take a little bit of time, but with his speed and he has good size, six, uh, six foot, 170, 170, he'll need to bulk up a little bit, but he's somebody I think will be more of a long-term project, but four guys who they all have potential to do big things while they're here. Yeah. I look at this room and I see two guys who interest me down the road. Davis, a bit of a burner. Uh, speed is kind of his thing, and that's something that absolutely comes through with his tape. Uh, even though, uh, y- even though West Hartford, Connecticut, isn't exactly a high school football hotbed. Uh, and then Wheatley's a guy that fascinates me: six two, one eighty, really long, really la- rangy player. Uh, played receiver in uh, in high school, so he has those ball skills. I want to see him after he bulks up a bit because he is someone who really interests me. Really smooth, really fluid athlete. He's a guy that I think we we dog ear him. We come back to him. Um, you know, let him redshirt this year. He's enrolling early. Let him redshirt. Let him. Uh, you know, at 180 pounds, send him to wings over every now and then. Maybe give him an "Are you hungry?" trip every now and then. Let him put some meat on those bones. But he looks like someone at the very least, and it comes through on tape, who has the potential to really be a disrupted center field type of safety. Uh, and then you move to the other two dudes, Kalen King, a uh, guy who uh, blew up a bit. This year, I mean, he, I mean, this season, he had a good season, ended up jumping up uh, into nearly the top 200 of 24-7 site ratings. You will know why we are mentioning that if you listen to the other podcast first, so go do that. Uh, but 511, 170 has good size uh, on him, especially if they decide to use him at something like a slot corner. Uh, good ball skills, he's quick. Uh, you know, has some toughness uh, to him. Someone who I think Penn State fans are really going to like. And then Reed is a guy 
I'm a big fan of his game, if only because he has he has it between the ears, and he's just a really tough football player. He's willing to get dirty. He's re- willing uh, to stick his nose in uh, when opposing teams are, uh, you know, when Penn State's in a dogfight and they need someone to give them that edge. Reed is a guy whose game I really, really like. And he's someone who, uh, you know, we mentioned how Penn State's safety room is going to have uh, opportunities. He's not enrolling early, so that is a bit of a concern with me. But if he is able to impress from the time he gets on campus, I think he has a shot. So that's Penn State's defensive class, Nick. Uh, I don't know what to add there, if anything. Real quick, do you want to talk about Sanders Sahadik? Absolutely, I do. I was really worried you were going to forget him. Oh, there for brother, a second. brother, do you really think I would forget about the six foot two left footed kicker? I would hope not. Of course not. Uh, yeah, every time I, everything I've seen uh, out of Sanders Sahadik, uh, who is the number two kicker in this class uh, by 24 7 sports, if you're going by, you know, uh, uh, Cole's kicking, he's a five star rec- kicker recruit, the number eight player in his class. I mean, he might have some ties to a uh, former World Cup uh, winner. Well, you know, still up in the air on that, which is really cool to me because I'm a nerd. Uh, but yeah, listen, Nick, he's 6'2", he could boot the football, and he's a lefty. Uh, what else do you want out of a kicker? I mean, how about the fact that he hit a 74-yard field goal? Folks! That's all I really have to say about it. Like, 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 come on. Was it, a sev- was it 74 yards, yards being held or off a tee? Uh, it was off a. It was off one of the tees, one of the little, little like three pronged holder tees. So you know, grain of salt. Also, no, nope, no, nope, 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 nope. Don't no care. Defenders rushing don't care. at him. You know, nope. plenty of things. Don't care. Still, seventy four yards. Legatron. Of all those things, seventy four yards. Yeah, listen. Uh, he also. I mean, he also hit a fifty three yarder in game that looked like it would have been good from like sixty. So listen, uh, just just be able to kick a football very hard. I, I don't really care about much else. So yeah, Sanders Sahedek, uh, he, he he's going to be a good one because largely because I'm important to note again as a lefty, as a lefty. Yeah. A lefty. God, I'm trying to think how many lefty kickers are there just in general? Isn't there, isn't there one in the NFL right now? I don't know. That's why I'm asking NFL lefty kickers. Oh, well, Janikowski was that's who I'm. Thinking yeah. Of. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Never mind. That's who I was thinking of. All right, so yeah, there has literally not been a lefty kicker in all of football since Sebastian Janikowski until now. So, uh, we, ladies and gentlemen, we got him. And listen, uh, all jokes aside, Penn State's uh, scholarship chart at kicker, they have Jordan Stout and Jake Pinniger next year, uh, potentially if they both decide to come back, and then it's Sanders Sahadik. So uh, there is a scenario that I hope Penn State does not uh, get to where he plays early. Um, but it's all, it's possible again. Hopefully it, uh, hopefully it doesn't happen. Uh, Hey Nick, you want to hand out some superlatives? I do indeed. Excellent. So I got three here. Uh, obviously our pals over at 24 seven sports did a much better one than we're going to do here, but no, uh, no, no. It was just different. It was just not better. Okay. Fine, fine, fine. That's okay. Nick, let's start with number one. Who's your favorite prospect in this class? 
Uh, so favorite, it's hard because I could go so many ways. I'm going to go with uh, Lonnie White Jr., though. I it's I I think I've said this before. I think he has one of the highest ceilings of any prospect James Franklin has recruited, and he just see I I feel really good about him becoming just an absolute all conference level monster receiver before his time is done. Uh, you know I'm gonna I, I I'm going to oh God. You know, I, I want to give the coward's answer and say Tangwall just because I think he's a guy who could start from day one. Uh, yeah. God, but you know what? I, I, I'm going to go uh, with Harrison Wallace. Uh, you know, you're. I, I completely agree with you on White. I think he has the potential to be special, but I also think Wallace is the kind of dude who, like you mentioned, just how effortless it is for him watching him play football with his speed, with his athleticism. Uh you know, I'm obviously not going to sit here and say he's the next Allen Robinson or anything. I feel like it's important to get that out of the way from the start. Well, yeah, he's not from Michigan. Correct. And he didn't have Rob Bolden as his high school quarterback. But yeah. having said that, when I look at the two of them, I see two guys who were really, really, really good athletes at their position. And Robinson was underrated, heavily underrated as a recruit. Robinson was a three-star and the number 975 player nationally. Uh, Bruce, a little bit higher, uh, obviously, than that. But he seems to me like the kind of guy who, once he gets on campus and once he starts figuring out how to play college football, he has the potential to be really special. So I would probably say Tangwall, but... Uh, for very obvious reasons, but there's my honorable mention. Uh, hey, Nick, fun, fun exercise. Yeah. Who do you think was more affected by the other when it comes to their recruiting ranking, Rob Bolden or Alan Robinson? <clears throat> well, it should, we could take while Bill's thinking once again, it should be noted. Alan Robinson is the ultimate quarterback kingmaker. See, that, like that's, made, that's, that's the thing. made, that's the exact point I was going to make, Nick. Like, <laughs> Alan Robinson, it has to be Alan Robinson because Alan Robinson has literally never played with a good quarterback. He played, never. the best quarterbacks he played with are senior year Matt McGloin and freshman year Christian Hackenberg. Like, come on. I'll say that because Bolden, well, Bolden also, like, was in Jay Paterno's awful poo poo pee pee offense and, like, had that, like, you know, he, got a concussion and that, that seemed to really mess with him all that. I so, will die on the Hill that if not for that concussion against Minnesota, he was destined for stardom. Yep. Yeah. You know what? All. Yeah. Well, I, I think we'll say Robinson. I think we'll say Alan Robinson. That seems fair. Uh, moving on, Nick, most interesting prospect. So again, I, all the, all of these superlatives, I could go any, any number of ways, but for me, I, 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 I kind of want to say Kobe King, and it's weird because he's such a like I. You can see his whole career ahead of him already, but I think he's so interesting because he. I I I really really love his senior year tape, and I really love what he brings to that middle linebacker position, and I think he's going to be really good, and he just is getting essentially no hype from anyone and you know part of that's because he is a middle linebacker it's not the 
necessarily the sexiest uh, recruiting position. Um, part of it's because he appears to be the less talented between him and his twin brother. But I think that he's somebody who we could very easily see starting by the time he's like a redshirt freshman and be starting until he's a redshirt senior. I just, he is, he's fascinating to me because I think he's so much better than he gets credit for. And regardless of how well he played this year, he just continued to not get that credit. Um, and then my, my, I mean, kind of tied for my number one, most interesting for me, Harrison Wallace is my most interesting because like you mentioned, just, it seems like he puts in so little effort, but he does so many great things and he, we know so little about him and he could just end up being a really, really fun player. See, this is like, it is nowhere near as difficult for me. It's Christian Bayou. I mean, he is someone who, you know, I've said for some time, I think he has the potential to be the guy. I think he has the potential to be a really, really, really good quarterback for Penn State. Uh, You know, I think he is probably, I don't know if I want to say he's the most talented quarterback that James, like, that James Franklin has gotten because, like, he's just so raw. And he is so, like, he was so hurt by not having a football season this year. Like, the blue-white game is going to be the first competitive football, you know, quote-unquote competitive football game he has thrown a pass in since he was a junior in high school. And he is someone whose high school career was starting in Canada, moving to a small school in western New York, and then going to a powerhouse program in Maryland where he was the starting quarterback. Like, it's just fascinating to me, man. He's gotten the invites, uh... He was an elite 11 finalist. Like, he is someone who I just think, like, I can't quit this. I can't quit the fact that Penn, the guy who I was willing to go in on as Penn State's quarterback of the future literally did not have a sophomore a senior season of high school. And he was probably the guy in this class who most needed to have a senior year of high school. So I'm going to be paying some really close attention to what happens with Christian Bayou because I think that he needs a few more things to go right for him than he originally had needed to go right for him. But if they do, he could still be real, real good. Um, last one that we're going to do here guy, you think is best equipped to play day one for Penn state. So I, I kind of want you to go first because I have two answers. I feel really good about here and I'm happy to just share the one that you don't share on the off chance that we're talking about the same guys. Okay. I'll say Liam Clifford then. Okay, good. That was one of my two. Knew it. Uh, yeah, I mean, Clifford is just a guy who, it's interesting because he is the non-early enrollee of this group, but he's big, he has the physicality, he has uh, an inherent chemistry with Penn State's starting quarterback. He's a guy who I think is going to just be able to find space uh, in a defense and catch the football, which even if he doesn't have like the crazy wild game breaking upside that the other two have, I think that reliability is something that is going to make it easier for him to get on the field. And as we've seen with Parker Washington, Penn state will let you play if you could be a reliable guy from the jump. So I will say Liam Clifford, uh, don't tell me, Nick, don't tell me, Nick, don't tell me, Nick. Um, Are you going to go with Kalen King? I am indeed. And I'll I'll add on to Clifford real quick. 
I think I think he absolutely does play his first year. I don't think he'll play a lot because, like I said, I think he'll he'll end up being Parker Washington's backup. But I think he absolutely does get on the field right away. And yeah, for the other my other pick, I'm going Kalen King. Uh, I already talked about it a bit, so I won't re I won't rehash what I said too much. But yeah, I just, I think he is immediately going to be maybe maybe the second best pure cornerback in that room. I really like what he can do as a defensive back, and I think he'll there's like I mentioned, it's just kind of a log jam at the other spot aside from Joey Porter jr. And no one's really separated themselves. So I think he very easily can hop right into the middle of that competition. And I think even if he's not the starter, I think he earns some pretty significant minutes as a true freshman. Yeah. I mean, call me everyone on family feud, baby, because good answer. Um, yeah, I, I think that's it. Any final thoughts that you have, uh, on this Penn State recruiting class, Nick? I think I've pretty much shared everything. It's just, I, yeah, I mean, this this is a much better class than a lot of fans are giving them credit for. And we'll talk, I think we don't need to go in too much right now about guys who could still be added to the class, I don't think. I think we could just wait for that kind of stuff to unfold and we can write about it on the site instead and you can read it there. Uh, but yeah, this is this is a really a really talented class with a lot of guys with really, really high upsides. And if you'll remember, I mean, the last time Penn State had a smaller, maybe not as highly touted class, a lot of those guys turned out to be stars. And that was uh, thinking all the way back to the, oh boy, what was it? 2013 class, if I'm thinking correctly. It's just a lot. It's we, we all get so hung up in the recruiting rankings. And we get so hung up on the stars that it's a lot of people have a lot of trouble just looking past that stuff sometimes. And it's just worth remembering that this class has a lot of really, really talented football players and don't overlook them. Absolutely. And I think that's a really good place to end uh, this episode of the podcast. Thank you as always for listening to Roar Lions radio. If you uh, were interested in the podcasts, Again, there's a second one. This is supposed to be the second one. If you listen out of order, apologies. Uh, Make sure you are subscribing to uh, the podcast on anywhere where you get your podcasts. If you decide to go through Apple Podcasts, head there. Leave us a five-star review. Make sure you keep reading and supporting the site. Best way you could do that is keep buying t-shirts, keep buying hoodies, keep buying stuff like that. And make sure you're following us on all of our various social media channels. One last time for my co-host, Nick Polak. I'm Bill DeFilippo. Take care, everyone.